ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 259th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, with whom we will delve deeply into college football. Well, my highlight of the week is the Oakland Raiders beating the Denver Broncos last night to secure first place in the AFC West. Great game to watch. Good to see a game uh, on Sunday night football from the Black Hole. Been a while. And the Raiders uh, legitimized themselves. The great season they're having so far, that 5-0 away record on the road. And running back Latavius Murray was just off the charts with three touchdowns, over 100 yards rushing. Uh, I guess he became the third player to ever do that against a defending Super Bowl champion, uh, not to mention a huge arch rival. So it was just uh, truly wonderful to see Derek Carr as the real deal coming off his 500-yard performance and overtime victory the week before down in Tampa Bay. And uh, Khalil Mack leading the defense. Uh, There's a lot to like, those great receivers that they have, Michael Crabtree and and Amari Cooper. So it was just really uh, just fun to see. I grew up uh, in western Pennsylvania on the Steelers-Raiders rivalry which you could argue <clears throat> uh, was one of the best, if not the greatest rivalry uh, in NFL history. And I need, and you only need to go back to remember uh, <clears throat> the famous uh, George Atkinson trial with Lynn Swan, Chuck Noling, Noel, legendary coach of the Steelers, saying there was a, quote, criminal element, one of the all-time great lines in NFL history with that statement. So, uh Count me as one of many that's glad to see the Raiders back. I think the uh, it's it's a better league when the Raiders are good. And uh, so just really, really enjoying this ride. And uh, we'll see what our, where it all leads. But for now, they are first place in the AFC West. So uh, hats off to them. Speaking of other teams that have... Uh, with quite a lineage and tradition that are back on top, the Dallas Cowboys. Suddenly they're tied with the Patriots for the best record in the NFL at seven and one. And, uh, 
They just took care of business yesterday against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, this is, you know, to me, as much as beating a good team, it's also just as important to not lose trap games and to just take care of business and win the games you're supposed to win. And obviously the Cowboys on the road in Cleveland uh, took care of business uh, handily. Uh, so that's just an indication of, you know, how the NFL is, uh, you know, kind of turned upside down a little bit, uh, certainly over the weekend, where now we suddenly look up uh, the Detroit Lions beat the Vikings on the road in their spectacular new uh, stadium, by the way, on literally an impossible comeback. Um, you know, the, uh, lie, the, excuse me, the Vikings took a late lead. The, the, the Lions get down the field in a hurry with like 15 seconds to go, no timeouts. And they move 20, 30, 40 yards upfield to, uh, you know, to be able to spike the ball again, no timeout. So they completed a 30 yard or so pass whole offense moved up the field, got set and spiked the ball with two seconds to go to set up uh, Matt Prater with a 58-yard field goal to tie it. And then they won quickly in overtime on uh, when Golden Tate shook off two two defenders' tackles and uh, dove into the end zone, leaped, you might say, uh, for the winning score. Uh, the Packers suddenly can't just don't seem to be the Packers we've come to know over the past number of years. And most importantly, <clears throat> wins in Lambeau are no longer automatic, to put it mildly. And then we have Aaron Rodgers uh, basically calling out the team on the energy level. So just really, uh, you know, fascinating. And one thing that isn't new that was is normal is New York Jets find a new way to lose. They get the lead late. And uh, then they give up a kickoff return after the initial kickoff. Uh, they were penalized, so they had to re-kick it. And uh, Kenyon Drake, remember him from the national championship game in Alabama last year, uh, when Alabama beat Clemson, uh, returning uh, kickoffs for touchdowns. Uh, he returned it for a touchdown, and uh, the Dolphins beat the Jets. So... Again, it's just uh, great to see these sort of tradition-laden teams suddenly back on top. Uh, some new blood, uh, you know, suddenly having a good year, i.e. Detroit Lions. <clears throat> Let's not forget the San Diego Chargers, who were losing in excruciating ways to start off like 1-4, and now they're suddenly on a hot streak. Uh, and their offense looks great. And Melvin Gordon looked unstoppable yesterday. 265 all-purpose yards. Uh, you know, close to 200 rushing and another 60 or so passing, receiving yards. Uh, so, yeah. As you always, the NFL season, here we are at the midway point. Hard to believe. And it's really shaping up to be uh, a fantastic second half. What wasn't fantastic and my low light of the week was uh, Steelers kicker Chris Boswell, his onside kick after the Steelers had come back from 21 nothing to close the 21-14, under a minute to go. 
and he attempted a highly unusual soccer-style kick uh, where he basically swung his opposite leg around and uh, it backfired spectacularly. He hit the ball. It literally went one inch. And if that, literally, and boom, just like that, the game was over. So it's kind of a depressing ending after the Steelers had scored 14 in the fourth quarter to, uh, you know, make it close or at least down to where you had an onside kick at the end. Um, Don't know what to make of those Steelers. It was just a really horrible performance on their part. In effect, the winning score was a blocked punt that went for a touchdown by the Ravens. uh, And Ben, granted Rusty hadn't played in a couple of weeks between the injury and the bye week beyond rusty but he got it going finally in the fourth quarter um but you know we're now looking at a team that has lost to the dolphins got crushed by the eagles and uh then lost to the ravens yesterday and the ravens had lost four in a row prior to the game yesterday so they're uh they're tough to figure out but you know Everybody knows that they get that offense going between Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and uh, and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the offense, if they get rolling, could be next to unstoppable. So that's going to bear a lot of watching. Um, so we shall see what happens. And finally, my bizarre story of the week is that... Uh, Pigs can fly and unicorns are real as the Cubs end their 108-year drought by winning the World Series and in one of the greatest Game 7s ever. The Rajay, so much of it reminds me of Red Sox history. Obviously, the two are tied at the hip for two of the biggest, quote, curses of all time. Now they're both broken. Uh, the Rajay Davis home run in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, what a moment to remind me so much of Bernie Carbo's three-run homer in 1975 to set up the Carlton Fisk homer. The parade was truly uh, the parade of parades. They're, they're, I'm hearing things that the five million people who attended is the largest, quote, gathering of humanity in the history of the United States on U.S. soil. Uh and the, the seventh all-time, um, I guess the, the other ones have been, you know, funerals and the like in countries like uh, Malaysia and whatnot or South America for uh, a variety of reasons, um, but found that to be an absolutely fascinating figure. It, I watched bits and pieces of it, and it was just really uh, an eye-popping experience. And it's just great to see them reaping the rewards. They're much-deserved, very likable team. They earned it. They didn't just, like, back into it or anything. They earned uh, this world title to break that 108-year drought. Seen them on Saturday Night Live. A few of them the other night was great. Singing Go Cubs Go. And best of all, for someone like me located here in Boston... It's such a nice reminder of uh, 2004 and what 
what you know what the Red Sox went through, obviously coming back 3-0 from the Yankees, but then they swept the Cardinals in the World Series. Uh, so you can't, cannot compare the two World Series. The Cubs World Series with the Indians was just special, highlighted and emphasized and punctuated by a Game 7 for the ages. So now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. You can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests. And on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. I'm down here in Mobile, Alabama. and Hoping to get some rain. had not rained in about 40 days. <laughs> oh, is that right? Wow. <laughs> Kind, Who knew? Kind of dry, so yeah, been kind of dry. Well, at least your drought wasn't as long as the Chicago Cubs, right? <laughs> not quite, not quite as long. Yeah. Not quite as long. Um, That's quite a quite a victory, quite a victory. That was. It was really special stuff. Uh, the game seven was truly unforgettable, and the parade was just special to watch. I mean, there were some scenes in there, especially when they were coming down the magnificent mile of Michigan Avenue and turning the corner in downtown Chicago. And uh, frankly, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. Uh, people literally hanging, you know, hanging from everywhere, tops of buildings, you know, every inch of the sidewalk. I, I heard some estimation like 500 deep. Every street was just as far as the eye could see. And uh, again, just imagery that you know i can't ever remember seeing and five million people that uh, apparently is the largest gathering of humanity on u.s soil in history so how's that for a statistic 
Well, they know how to throw a party in Chicago, I guess. I mean, they, they waited long enough, and exactly. maybe some of them came from the graveside to be there to get that $5 million, I, I can assure you. I think you're right. Uh, a lot of ghosts were probably there. Uh, to say, yeah. If you count the ghosts, it would have been $10 million. Uh, um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. speaking of ghosts, I'm guessing LSU was feeling some ghosts. Maybe the ghost of Les Miles. Uh, the other night, uh, you were there. It was obviously the game of the weekend. Uh, and, you know, I... I a lot of, you know, Les Miles was let go because he couldn't get the offense going. We all like Ed Argeron, and he's done a nice job there. But at the end of the day, 0 uh, 0 after three quarters, uh, you know, the LSU offense uh, never could get on track. But it, what a game, right? Yeah, John, I just never thought that Alabama would be able to contain Leonard Fournette for three straight years. I mean, they literally denied him a Heisman two years in a row because he, he was still in the running with that comeback setting the school record against Ole Miss and anything could happen in this month of November. That's where the Heisman voters are living zero in on all the candidates. But I just never thought they would be able to stop him and make him so ineffective. That's a great point, you know, and I can't help but hear you say that and think immediately, of course, to, Bill Belichick right down the road from where I'm speaking, having worked with Nick Saban. And uh, above all else, Bill Belichick's number one coaching philosophy is always, always, always take away what the other team does best. And boy, has Alabama has taken that to a new level with taking away Leonard, Leonard Fournette, you know, the last few years in a row. I mean, just take him literally right out of the game. Yeah, John, Alabama, the players themselves were really wired to stop Leonard. There was a few comments from, coming from the other side, and they were, I think, slightly annoyed that he ended up with 35 yards and 17 carries. Maybe the longest one was eight or nine yards out of that 35 yards. So the Alabama defense, they rose to the occasion. Uh, the LSU, as I've always stated, is the twin brother of Alabama. They're physically just as dominant, and they gave Alabama all they wanted defensively. Uh, Alabama had a rough time moving the football, but they made enough plays. And then that dual-threat quarterback, Jalen Hurts, although he's a true freshman, he's very nifty with his feet and his vision, and he's able to have a nice touchdown run about 20 yards or so. Uh, they can go ahead 7 nothing, and they, uh, I think they got the touchdown first and they had the field goal. So they were really fortunate to come out with a 10 nothing victory. Yes, well, the legend of Jalen Hurts uh, continues to grow, right? I mean, he is, uh, you know, tremendous with his feet. I mean, just good player, good quarterback all around. But, you know, when you factor in that he's a freshman, and how he is now, you know, basically winning games or making the key plays with his feet. You know, uh, obviously he scored the only touchdown in the game the other night uh, with, a, with a really nice run. And then uh, and he's, you know, had some other runs this year that have swung the course of various games, right? Oh, he sure has. He's t- taken off for some long touchdown runs and, he made defensive ends and tackles miss him in the backfield and made it much more pleasant for the linemen because they know he can escape. 
uh, and he's that, that threat that Alabama has never really had. Uh, I thought let's say Blake Sims, but, but Jalen's in a different category. And although the two freshmen down and you saw he made some mistakes and he didn't have a, maybe a good start of the game, he, he never looks behind. He just is always um, focusing on the next play. And even when he scored the touchdown, he kind of his teammates were all excited. He kind of calmed them down, said, "All right, we scored a touchdown. Let's you know, we got more things to more business to take care of. Let's settle down. Let's, let's play ball." Right, right. Um, yeah, it's uh, again, he grows more special by the week. And you know, Alabama. Let's face it, right now they just look unbeatable. They're you know. I'm certainly not the first person to say it. There's a symphony out there now saying it. Uh, they're, they're truly just on a different level. And LSU in Death Valley on a Saturday night, that is a serious test by any any standard. And, uh, you know, they more than met it. Um, you know, what was it like? The atmosphere had to just be off the charts because LSU really thought, uh, you know, and then they did legitimately, you know, think they had a chance to pull the upset and, Zero zero at the end of three quarters tells them uh, they were right there. Yeah, John, those seniors at the point of this game, they'd never beaten Alabama. Ed Orgeron has done a nice job to this point, especially with the offense. They were scoring high 30s and in the 40s. On Saturday night, LSU, they just made a click because the winning game was slowed down and they actually dropped a few passes. Uh, they got the ball down the field occasionally, uh, down the sideline, beat some of the cornerbacks, and that receivers made some good plays, but they never could sustain the drive, and that's what you have to do to really beat Alabama. And, you know, that's what they count on, to keep everything in front of them and make you drive the field, which is very difficult to consistently move the ball. But it was loud, and, uh, you know, the LSU people, they, they support their team, and uh, it just wasn't meant to be. Alabama was ready. Right, right. Well, I saw some of your tweets and whatnot, uh, you know, great pictures of Alabama arriving at the stadium and all that. And, uh, you know, it just must be, you know, everybody says it may be the best experience in all of college football. Again, Death Valley on a Saturday night in Baton Rouge. And uh, based on everything you're saying and what I watched and, you know, what you tweeted out, uh, it looked like it was all of that and more. Yeah, John, the logistics is good to, to attend the game there. A lot of parking. And John, they actually have free parking in big areas for the people. Um, it's really? It's close to the stadium, but I, I, it's very rare you find anything free these days, right? So I love that. They, they I never knew that. That's... Yeah, quite quite a bit. So And uh, there's a lot of tailgating, and uh, you know, the people are really enthusiastic. I, I suggest that anybody who wants to, experience a college football game that has to be in the top five. Right, right. Well, I was thinking of you, uh, you know, just throughout the day uh, and, you know, how much fun it must be. You know, the weather was good, obviously, as well. And, uh, geez, free parking. Now that makes me want to go more than ever. I I definitely want to get down there for a game and, uh, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe in two years for the Alabama game. That would be fun because <clears throat> if I know one thing for sure, Alabama's going to probably be number one in two years from now. So they're just, <laughs> again, their program is just looking invincible right now. Uh, it's just in- incredible to, to watch, and I'm sure you have to be 
feeling that and hearing that, I mean, uh, you, you know, and, th- and when you're saying that about Alabama, you're, you're talking serious. I mean, four out of seven national championships now just in the pole position again for the college football playoff. And, uh, you know, you would know better than me. Has it, you know, has, I mean, has it ever been better? And I know that's a tough statement to say where at a school where Bear Bryant has coached, but right now it's just, uh, you, you know, it's at an epic level. Yeah, I would say you know, that decade uh, I've been here in the, in the 60s was good, and the 70s where they won three titles in those decades, but this is as good as it gets because every year they're right in the hunt now for the title. There's really hasn't been a dip. They had one year, 2010, they lost three games incredibly. Um, and, of course, it took a magical ride by a quarterback at South Carolina Stephen Garcia to be in that year, and uh, LSU beat them. And, uh, but, and then Cam Newton had that unbelievable comeback. So those are the types of teams and quarterbacks that have beaten Alabama when they've had good teams. But, I, I, like I say, Alabama... This is another golden era. And the replenishing the coffers with outstanding players that will be coming in next year, I mean, that's, that's the key. And he knows that R&D, as I call it, the recruiting and development, I don't think there's anyone better across the country. Maybe people have uh, better play callers or that as well as getting the players and, and improving them while they're on campus and making them uh, you know, ready for the NFL. I just don't, I don't think there is anyone around the country that can match Alabama. Right, and what it's feeling like right now, and this is different for college football, is, you know, they're feeling suddenly like, you know, with Saban as their coach, it feels a lot like, you know, Coach K at Duke and John Calipari at Kentucky. And that, you know, just doesn't, is not something that we've typically seen in college football, where if you're one of the top 50 players in the country, you want to go play for Nick Saban for the most part. I mean, you just do because, you know, you know, that's your quickest, quickest path to the NFL. I'm watching Kenyon Drake win the game yesterday for the Dolphins with his kickoff return and thinking immediately back to the national championship game when you and I watched in person as he did that to Clemson and, you know, just on and on and on. I mean, mean, it's just, uh, it just seems like they're everywhere. Uh, All of a sudden, like Alabama players in the NFL, and let's face it, at the end of the day, that's the name of the game. That's what a high school kid is most interested in is, what, what school can I pick to get me to the NFL? That's what it's all about. We both know that. Yeah, you stated it correctly, John. What is the easiest path, and who is the coach that will get me there the fastest? And also, I can have some fun winning. Well, yeah, I don't know. By the way, I probably win a national championship or two or three along the way. I mean, that—that—that's <laughs> uh, that, that, what's in an eighteen-year-old's head. Period. Rightfully so, too. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what they should be thinking. No, no, there's. Uh, well, AP, you, this week you play Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken, and they shocked the nation on Saturday before Alabama ever even took the field against LSU. And uh, why don't we take our break? 
But when we uh, come back from the other side, we'll talk about what Mississippi State did over the weekend. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we talked Alabama, and rightfully so, in the previous segment. And they are playing Mississippi State this weekend. And Mississippi State shocked the college football world on Saturday by uh, grabbing an early lead, an immediate lead, uh, as in on the first play of the game, and beating somewhat handily uh, Texas A&M, the number four ranked team by the college football playoff committee, and uh, uh, no longer. So hats off to Mississippi State, having, you know, lost a lot of games, at the very end on like the last play this year, but boy, they came to play Saturday and pulled off a, a major upset. Yeah, John, that was, that was quite an upset, as you said, because no one, no one expected Mississippi state has been having trouble all year to beat the number four team in the nation. And I think, uh, I always state this every year when you see these teams pop up near, near the, um, you know, high in the rankings, what are they going to do the next week to manage all that pressure, all those uh, questions by the media and then the coaches? Are they going to are going to, they going to follow the same game plan that got them to that point, or do, or do they tighten up? And obviously, Texas A and M they they couldn't manage that pressure. Exactly right. Uh, 
again, the Mississippi State quarterback, who was fantastic, had uh, he ran like 74 yards on the first play of the game, and that was it. And, you know, actually, you know, the, I mean, it got close at the end. I mean, you know, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. uh, you know, battled valiantly, but basically Mississippi State at home pretty much controlled the game throughout. Um, but A&M didn't make a late run, so yeah. Uh, goodbye college football playoff for A&M. That's it. Now they have two losses. Uh, they, of course, had lost Alabama a few weeks back and gave them a competitive game for a time. And uh, But, again, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the committee's pick generated some controversy, namely that undefeated Washington was not in the top four. But I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, and maybe I should say that, uh, maybe I should tread lightly on that subject. Uh, but it would appear Washington with their 66 to 27 victory over California should undoubtedly get that, uh, number four spot. You would think. John, I would have put in Washington in number four last week. Me too. Um, you, 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 be old, you put 70 points in Oregon, even though it's a down season and you demolish Stanford, uh, they're, sure, they're not the teams they were in prior years, but they're good programs, and they don't get embarrassed uh, in the last ten years like Washington did to them in you know, this last month or so. And you know that's fine. A and M had a decent streak there. You know they lost to Alabama, but I I would have put Washington ahead because staying undefeated that is very difficult, John, as you know, to, to stay. Uh, you know, undefeated every year, every week, the teams are coming at you. So I would give them the credit and put them at number four. I wouldn't have put Texas A&M at, at number four. Well, I agree. And also important to consider that uh, Washington was coming in off last week's, you know, semi-signature victory, we'll call it, over a very, very good Utah team. In Utah, by the way. Yeah. Uh you know, with a spectacularly exciting game where they basically won on a punt return at the end. And, you know, you know so if you hadn't seen Washington until the Utah game, uh, you know, you had to like what you saw because what they showed was they could win at the end. That's what they showed in that game. Um, so, yeah, but I, I don't think there could be any doubt. Uh, I mean, the only possibility, and I, I think there would be a near revolution if this occurred would be if, uh, you know, Ohio State sitting at number five somehow was number four, uh, you know, and they're coming off their beatdown of Nebraska, 62 to three. I mean, I have, you know, first thought, of course, when I saw the score was, you know, has Nebraska ever lost by six, by 59 points or given up 60, however you want to slice it and dice it. It was a right. shocking, shocking to see. And yeah, Nebraska so only has one loss. Go ahead. I'm right. sorry. Did, you know, so that, that was an impressive victory. No question about it. But uh, I think they penalized Washington, John, because of their non-conference schedule. I mean, they, the committee subconsciously, consciously tries to send these messages. But to me, if, if you're using the eye test, I mean, it doesn't matter who they play in the non-conference. If you're beating these other teams that are supposed to be good programs, uh, big numbers, 
that's what matters. I, I'm not going to penalize somebody for the strength of schedule. I, I don't believe that's correct. I mean, you're supposed to pick the four best teams, regardless of all the variables. It's the four best teams. Correct. Correct. Um, yeah. Well, again, uh, you know, the moment after Ohio State lost to Penn State, I mean, immediately everybody was saying, all the announcers, what have you, that, you know, that loss will not kill Ohio State if they win out. And they've certainly more than won out. Uh, tough game over Northwestern, but, yes. you know, beating Nebraska 62-3. to Nebraska only had one. They had just lost their first game the previous week to Wisconsin. So that's an eye-popping number. That's an attention-getting number when you beat Nebraska 62-3. to So we shall see, but I, I don't think anybody realistically thinks Ohio State will jump over Washington. Uh, but again, I think after last Tuesday night, nothing's going to shock us, right? No, no, and I, I agree. If, if Ohio State wins out, they're going to be in the playoffs because Michigan's left and, and right. have to play someone on the other side as well. So I, I agree that that loss to Penn State, who's, who's in the top 25, will not hurt them in the end if they win out. Correct. And, you know, just to take that a step further, uh, you, you know, the college football playoff committee shocked everybody, speaking of Penn State, by moving Penn State, which had basically gotten into the top 25 for the first time since 2011 by beating Ohio State. And then suddenly the second shocker to me of last Tuesday night was when they put Penn State at 12. Uh, I think that really raised a lot of eyebrows and was, you know, eight to ten spots higher than anybody else had them rated, meaning the, the various polls. So yes. now with Penn State's very impressive uh, win over Iowa, uh, I'm guessing they're, you know, you know, I, I'm thinking they're going to be top ten tomorrow. I probably uh, probably will, John. I, I'm certain that uh, the committee is going to take notice of that victory over Iowa, and we'll put them in the top ten. But you know, the committee, John, they spend they spend quite a bit of time evaluating and analyzing teams, probably more than some of the voters in these polls. I mean, they just absolutely don't have the time. You know, they don't have the time that the committee. Right. I mean, that's that's their responsibility. So they're able to. Uh, slice and dice all those numbers and look at film and they have it right at their fingertips. So that's, that's what they believe and we'll see what happens. Right. Well, they sent a loud message that they liked or respected Penn State's strength, strength of schedule by putting them at 12 last Tuesday. Again, much higher than anybody else had them rated. And then they go out and beat Iowa handily, I think 41-14 or something like that. Uh, so you just have to assume, and a couple of other teams in front of them lost. So you have to assume, they're, I think they're going to be the number 10 team in the nation, um, given that the committee has showed that they have a certain level of respect for Penn State's schedule, I guess, based on last Tuesday. Uh, and oh, by the way, before I forget, Saquon Barkley... Uh, one of the best players in the country, clearly in my mind. He's not going to win the Heisman, but I think he has to be on the short list now. 
yeah, he's a good player, and, and Penn State's fortunate to have him. And in this year's Heisman race, John, I, I still think it's wide open at this point. I do, too. A lot of people, are, I'm shocked. And granted, you know, Lamar Jackson was responsible for seven touchdowns about 20 minutes from where I'm standing when he came in and <laughs> led Louisville to a, uh, I think it was 62 to something <laughs> or whatever, over B.C. Yeah. They, plus, uh, they scored over 60. But a lot of people seem to just be handing Lamar Jackson the trophy and have been throughout the year. And he, he's great, don't get me wrong. But yeah. I've been a little surprised at how quickly people are kind of been declaring it over. It feels like since September. Yeah, there's always that uh, crowd that likes to anoint someone very quickly. Right, there um, you go. I, I, I tend to wait till the clock strikes zero. I agree. Deshaun Watson uh, still has yet to be heard from. They had a very nice victory. They seem to be rounding into form down there in Clemson. And uh, so, you you know, um, we'll see where they go. One team, by the way, that is we can say goodbye to if, you know, if if there were any doubt was Baylor uh, getting just demolished by TCU, like 62 to 22. A lot of teams scored 60 this weekend. Um, That was a that was a shocker. It's like, it almost felt like all the problems at Baylor all came crashing down in one day, which was Saturday. John, when I saw that score, I had the same thought. I said, maybe it's, it's going to be so difficult now for Baylor, all these things outside of football, kind of exactly. getting into the locker room and when you get beat by 40 points, I mean, that's, you're not lucky. Some, something, went, something happened there because, I mean, I don't think this is 40 points better than Baylor. Exactly right. It just uh, our, our great minds think alike because I had the exact same thought as if like everything that has just been like surrounding them and the program, and you know I think they started off the season. They're all you know good pro you know you know good program and you know a little bit of a you know we'll show the world us against the world type of mentality that they carried for a few weeks. The Baylor story continues to, you know, the outside story continues to, you know, heat up. 60 Minutes Sports did a big thing on them last week, and uh, it just felt like it all just came crashing down, you know, on them emotionally, physically, and just across the board in one game, uh, you know, against TCU. So, regardless, uh, we've heard the last of Baylor, that's for sure, as far as, uh, the college football playoff or anything like that goes, no doubt about that. Yeah, John, you've got to hit the reset button and hold his finger on it and see what happens the rest of the season. That's it. Way P, we've covered a lot of ground, a couple more games to get to, uh, including another uh, shocker in the SEC. Uh, but why don't we take our break now, our final break, and we'll get to that on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, I wanted to say that my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is Patriots Seahawks on Sunday Night Football in nearby Gillette Stadium. I will be there. It's, of course, the rematch of the fabulous Super Bowl of two years ago. And Patriots coming off a bye week. So uh, New England is already revved up for that game. It's going to be a good one. Uh AP. So Sunday night at Gillette Stadium hosting the Seahawks. Uh, I guess if anybody could slow down Tom Brady, it's this defense, but <laughs> I'll have to see it to believe it. Yeah, John, that's a great ball game. You're going to get a chance to see those two teams. Gosh, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, especially when you see Seattle and the defense, and of course, Tom Brady in action, he gets fired up and Pete Carroll comes back to New England. Yeah, well, Pete Carroll lived in my little town here. Uh, again, <laughs> 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium when he was the co- coach of the Patriots back in the late 90s, succeeding Bill Parcells. And, uh, and yes, so I've talked to him a few times since then. I've interviewed him before, and uh, I'm sure he's looking forward to returning to New England. And, uh, of course, the one thing that nobody here in Patriot land will ever forget is uh, I always look back at the Seahawks, you know, their their rise to power uh, began when they beat the Patriots a few years back. And we all remember the end of that game when Richard Sherman, whose name nobody knew at the time, uh, went up to Tom Brady and screamed, you mad bro, which has entered the American sports lexicon since that moment. <laughs> And it wasn't forgotten at the Super Bowl, uh, and I guarantee you it will not be forgotten this Sunday night in Gillette Stadium. That, that's for sure, because Tom Brady, he, he remembers all these all these flights, and uh, he'll be prepared, I'm sure. He'll be more than prepared, as will this, the, the rest of the team, as well as, trust me, the crowd. Uh, 
I got the feeling you mad bro is going to resurface. Uh, not to mention <laughs> Malcolm Butler and Pete Carroll's fateful decision. Uh, uh, there's a lot to chew on <laughs> with these two teams <laughs> meeting. And, you know, and let's face it, I mean, I, uh, you know, I've been going for a lot of years. I don't ever remember the Seahawks even playing here. So I'm sure they have, but it's been that long. Um, so this game has some juice. There is no doubt about it. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, it'll be a big treat for those fans and everybody across America to watch. No doubt about it. And, uh, Speaking of which, you know, fans getting a treat. The fans in Arkansas got a pretty big treat on uh, on Saturday when they really pretty handily beat uh, the top team in the SEC East, Florida. It's been a frustrating year for Brett Bielma and Arkansas. Uh, you know, they had higher hopes than what they've achieved so far. But uh, I think Saturday's win over the Gators... Uh, you know, went a long way towards uh, improving their year pretty dramatically. Yeah, John, I was so surprised. I think it was a week before that Auburn just put a beating on them and they set an SEC regular season rushing record, single game, 532 yards, I think. And the score was 56-3. And I'm wondering what's going to happen to Arkansas. How can they revived themselves, but they turned around and, and beat the SEC East leader, Florida, who I thought had a chance to run the table on that side before they got to the Florida State game. Yes. So, I mean, only in the SEC where, you know, they're just beating each other up now. Um, they really are. And that's what happens. I mean, I don't have to tell you, you're the expert. Uh, but boy, they're, they're just all, you know, so such quality programs that, you know, you can't put it any better than you just put it. You know, Arkansas looked dead last week against Auburn, who, oh, by the way, barely beat Vanderbilt. <laughs> and, then, uh, you know, Arkansas rises up to shock everybody beating Florida. And, you, you know, Mississippi State beats Texas A&M, on and on and on. The only team that seems to rise above the fray consistently is obviously Alabama. Yeah, that's the separation. How can you get your players to compete at a high level more times than the other coach? That, that's the, really the key and the crux of the matter when you look at coaching, John, if you, if you have equal players. Right, right. Well, you know. When I think of the SEC, what I like to think of is, you know, even the, quote, bad teams are good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but there aren't any really. And when I say bad teams, I don't mean bad, bad, you, you know, just uh, not as good as other teams in the league. But uh, AP, you know, I, I continue to, to look at, you know, and now that Auburn had, you know, a close call against Vanderbilt, uh, traditionally one of, quote, the bad teams in the SEC, but, uh, you know, who you have Mississippi State this weekend, then Alabama, obviously the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend hosts or plays Auburn. Um, where is that game, Auburn? That is, that is in Tuscaloosa. That's a home game for Alabama. Okay, and where's the Mississippi State game? That's, Alabama has three straight home games, John. Mississippi State, then they play UT Chattanooga, and then Auburn. So three straight home games to finish the season. 
All right. And when is and then the SEC championship game is like December third or something like after, that? Week after Thanksgiving, correct. That's right. In Atlanta, okay. All right. Well, uh, what do you think the the SEC championship game? Who do you think is going to come out of the East? Uh, Florida still, despite the loss, is you know in pretty good shape. Yeah, then they still have a good chance to regroup. They you know have trouble scoring, but defensively they're usually fairly uh, a good football team. So um, you know, I, would, I don't think maybe Florida can be there, but it's going to get really tight, and uh, I don't know how they separate these teams when they have all these ties. So yeah, it'll, it'll be really competitive, and there's no clear favorite, just a favorite. Yeah, well, Tennessee has, you know, kind of self-destructed, and who, who else who has, has a chance to be there instead of Florida? Is it Georgia? Yeah, I think they got Georgia's in there, and um, but John, if I knew the answer to that, uh, I'd probably be calling you from Las Vegas. But all right, it's so, so it's complicated. It's, it, yeah, it's so complicated how things can work out, and uh, you know, Florida, they got to have some better quarterback play. I believe. Right. Well, I will say this: I'm already circling the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend because, if I'm not mistaken. The same day as Alabama Auburn is also Michigan Ohio State, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I mean, that's you might want to buy a second television that day, right, John? Well, I was going to say I hope it rains that day, or or God forbid, even snows. But uh, let's say sleet. I wouldn't mind a bad <laughs> weather day because I don't think I want to leave the house that day. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a perfect excuse to stay inside. Exactly right. Um, well, you know, we're really, uh, you know, starting to feel it now. I mean, it's November and, you know, nothing like college football in November. So I think we're headed for, uh, you know, great drama. You know, we, we know that Ohio State, Michigan is, you know, uh, going to be tremendous. And one of the top five teams is going to fall. And, the, you, you know, it feels like the, you know, the final four could be very obvious. Yeah, John, this is when the legends of the fall are made in the month of November, normally. So uh, it'll be, it's going to be fantastic. You know, the Midwest has that Ohio State with that possible eventual showdown with Michigan. And Alabama is on a path to, to play uh, an improved Auburn team. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, Washington. They have to play USC, who's who's come around now. Plus, yep. I think go to the go to Pullman to play their arch rival Washington State. So all corners of the country, uh, you know, Clemson still has to win out. Yep. So there's there's interest in all parts of the country for that those four spots. No and question. The Wait, fans, you know, they'll be be excited. Oh, it's going to be great as always. Uh, well, AP, thanks as always. For your expertise and perspective, and uh, great job, and we'll look forward to doing it all again next week. Well, thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. You're welcome, and thank you again. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. (laughs) 
Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.